Wertes in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Die Frage ist nicht, wer die Kinder entführt hat, sondern wann. Das Ende ist der Anfang. Und der Anfang ist das Ende. Tick, tick. Du wirst alles verstehen, wenn es an der Zeit ist zu verstehen. Tick, tick. Aber jede Entscheidung für etwas ist doch immer eine Entscheidung gegen etwas. Hello and welcome to Dark, a companion podcast to the Netflix TV series. I'm Acorn. I'm Murgles. And I'm PB. Wollen wir anfangen? Yes! Yes, please. <laughs> I'm so excited for today's episode. Me too. I'm so excited. So we're going to be talking about Helga today. And I, I can't wait to hear what you both are going to bring to the discussion. Um, just to get this out of the way first, as always, this is a companion podcast and not a watch along. So we do ask that you have had watched the whole series and are hungry for more discussion and more mm -hmm. theories because we're going to be diving into all of these topics very deeply and yes. covering the whole show. This is also structured more as a discussion. So we're going to be bringing our own separate thoughts and notes to the conversation and really exploring the topic, which today is Helge, TikTok. Before we jump into today's topic, do we have any housekeeping from last week? We don't actually, surprisingly. Um, no corrections, <laughs> nothing like that. Um, but <laughs> uh, do we have any mail? We do have mail indeed. Boy, do we have mail. So because we are receiving your emails and your messages, uh, we are super excited about it. And we promise you that we have something in the works for you. It's coming out soon. Uh, and I think it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am. I'm over the moon. Well, technically, we're sort of maybe hiding the truth from you because we were, we just recorded it. We just finished recording it. We literally just did yep. finish recording it. But yep. um, yeah, sweet surprise. We're very excited about it, and we can't wait for you to hear it. Just you yeah. know, playing with time with yep. this recording because we're a podcast. <laughs> just <laughs> casual time traveling. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. We're actually coming to you from 1986. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Our equipment cost $20,000. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what yes. it cost to run a podcast studio back in the day. And yeah. my microphone sounds like a 2020 $50 one. So I'm kidding. <laughs> it doesn't. It's nicer than that. It was a really bad joke. We're going to move on from it. Sound good. <laughs> 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 Go on. My, I have, uh, literally every ounce of my energy during this podcast is me just trying so hard not to reveal how truly un awkward I am at all times. It's like, be cool. Be cool, Murgles. Be cool. Always. <laughs> yes. I think we, we all do you, that you, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You've basically described my inner world. Yeah. Just <laughs> keep your <laughs> cool, shit together, man. Acorn. Or like I say something and then I, I think to myself, was that articulate enough? Did I am i midway through a sentence right now while i'm thinking about the last <laughs> sentence i just said oh shit god damn it all right so we have an email yes this email is from lewis hello lewis hi lewis, hi, lewis. please yell at me if i'm saying lewis and not louis or vice versa okay lewis says hi Merkel's acorn and pb just finished Lovers in a Dangerous Time, and what a great episode. Just saying, I hope you keep doing the show even after you run out of things to talk about with Dark. Aww. I love your discussions, your bravery in allowing yourselves to have honest and vul vulnerable conversations in front of the whole podcast world, and last but not least, your enthusiasm for Dark. 
Then Lewis was so kind as, as to tell us that our email is broken. Our email button is broken. Thank you, Lewis. <laughs> I think we're working on fixing that. Anyways, keep up the awesome work. I look forward to it every week. Lewis, some quick demographics about me. Found the show on CastBox using Android. Ooh. Started listening from episode two, Where or When is Mikkel? Started watching Dark after season two aired. Binged it and binged season three after it came out. And from the East Coast, USA. Whoa! Thank you so much. Yeah, that was so awesome. (laughs) Letting us know where where we were found, and also, I like knowing when you found dark too. I think that's a really cool question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you, Lewis. I appreciate that, Louis Lewis. Whichever. Yes. (laughs) So sorry. So thank you. Uh, And that's that's all I have for the mailman today. But again, once more, special secret surprises in store. Mm Well, Lewis mentioned our vulnerability and being able to talk about ourselves in our lives. And so I'm hoping this Uh question is not going to be too much. I'm going to preface this by saying, (laughs) say as much as you want, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Oh my God. So our episode today is going to um, deal with Helga, Mm -hmm. which we see a lot of him as a character as a child, still living with his parents. So my question is, what was your childhood like? Oh, oh boy. Jesus. <laughs> 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 Again, Acorn, whatever you're comfortable uh, sharing. Yeah. Uh, how long do we have? And also, do you take card, cash, or check? <laughs> we just entered a therapy session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um. I would say that my childhood was well-meaning, which is a sort of, I don't know, a weird way to say. I had a pretty good childhood in terms of I felt uh, a lot of love from my parents, but there was some, you know, life stuff that happened. Uh, My parents divorced when I was quite young. My my mom was a single mother and she struggled with her own stuff. And I think she, you know, she did the best she could for us. But there was a lot of just a lot of like turmoil at times, uh, unfortunately. And uh, and then, you know, my, my dad passed away when I was about 12. My childhood, I would describe as very daydreamy, very lonely very confusing. I don't know. There was like a lot of joy as well. But I think, you know, I I was bullied a lot as a kid. I think what happens as well is if you have any sort of traumatic experiences as as a kid or, you know, early adolescent, I feel like it really colors your ability to remember what your childhood was like. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that I've also suffered from some mental health issues, depression and anxiety. And that has also really, you know, affected my memory of my childhood, either as remembering it worse than it was or better than it was. So it can be difficult sometimes when I think back on my childhood, because I think I do spend a lot of time like woe is meing around some of the stuff that happened. You know, there was a lot of stuff that is not ideal. So, you know, if we're talking about Helg, just to tie back into the idea of like loneliness, inner world, you know, not having many friends, 
um, the the relationships that I have around me being relatively confusing or difficult to navigate as a as a child, you know, maybe easier to navigate as an adult, but as a small child, having a real difficult time understanding how to move through that stuff. Um, I can totally see, you know, the scene where Helg is just sitting there with his box by himself, his box of dead birds being a weirdo. <laughs> like it was very. <laughs> very me in the sense that I never had a box of dead birds. Oh, that's a total lie. I had a dead bird in the <laughs> freezer uh, of my. <laughs> wow. So when I... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is this is a dark one. What happened was I had a I had a pet bird I had a budgie. I would often whenever I would go get pets, I would often go for the sick or lonely pet because I interpreted it as this is an animal that has no friends. I also have no friends. Let us be friends. So I would often get the animals that were sick and or dying. So I would get <laughs> these animals, oh, bring them home, oh. and then they would die within like two weeks of getting them. Uh, and I was just like, I can't. I Everything I touch dies. Anyway, very dramatic. But <laughs> I had this one budgie. And I couldn't bear the idea of clipping its wings because I felt it was extremely inhumane. Yeah. Except then what happened was the pet store worker, who I can only assume was probably some teenager who's making minimum wage, who didn't really know very much. Oh, no. Said, well, you can hand train them by like putting on a pair of gloves and then just reaching into the cage and picking them up every day, multiple times a day. And then eventually he'll like your hands and it'll be fine. Oh, no. So, of course, me wanting a friend did that, which is just actually like I just basically made this bird have a psychological break. Traumatized. Anyway, yeah, I traumatized the bird, guys. And it's uh, one of my greatest regrets. So I traumatized the bird. The bird hated me. <laughs> it would come to bite me every time I went to go say hi to it. His name was Sonny. So I uh, after about a year of having Sonny, I was like, Sonny's probably lonely. He clearly doesn't like my my company. So Maybe I should get him a, a partner. And of course, once again, oh, pet no. store people did not tell me how to appropriately introduce a bird. And I guess you could argue that's a parent's job. But here we are. Oh, God. <laughs> parents so, were not part of that equation, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we went. I got a beautiful budgie who is blue and white. I named her Cher. So Sunny and oh, Cher. Oh. And I brought her home. Chucked her in the cage, oh, no. went away for vacation for the weekend, came home, Cher's dead at the bottom of the cage. Sunny killed Cher. So, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised it was Sunny. The, the sick I, thought, bird. I thought Cher was going to kill Sunny. No, yeah. no. So, well, listen, I've been spending about a year turning Sunny into the perfect killer. <laughs> <laughs> so, here we are. Cher's dead. It's also the middle of winter. And I wanted oh, no. to give Cher a proper burial, oh, but no. the ground was frozen. So the solution that me and my family came up with freezer. was place her in a bag and put mm -hmm. her in the freezer for the winter, Oh, which we did. Mm -hmm. uh, and I honestly, I can't tell you how long she was in that freezer. Uh, I want to say longer than she should have been. But yeah, I did have a dead bird in my freezer. So maybe Helga and I have more in common <laughs> than well, I know, originally thought. <laughs> I'm also flashing back to the scene with Charlotte when she was a kid putting the birds into her freezer. Yeah, that's true. That little box. I think that's just, you know, <laughs> it's so funny because I think now 
it's like sad <laughs> sad as i look back upon my like young child self just like knowing that all i wanted was like friendship and connection and stuff yeah. and i was a very strange kid like my lack of friendship was not just because everyone around me was mean and evil and didn't like me for no reason I was a I was a weirdo. I had dead birds in my freezer, you know, yeah, and I just didn't yeah. think these things through. And I did all kinds of one time I went to school pretending to be my twin brother named Marshall, who lived with my dad, <laughs> except it was me wearing a plaid shirt and talking in a guy voice. And every I was like too old for this, too. Everyone was like, Murgles, we know it's you. Like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> and I did this for three days. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. <sighs> I feel like I was weird too, but I mean, like, I think that's where a lot of the, you need to like go through certain experiences or have social things explained to you to like assimilate yeah. properly into mainstream culture. And I think Absolutely. whenever something traumatic happens or something that either stunts or um, distracts from you, that kind of growth. You just go through this period where you have a hard time relating to people. And I absolutely did the same thing. Yeah. Heebs, yep. what about you? I, I also did that. Yeah. I, so I been trying to think of like how I summarize or, or relate my, um, you know, uh, childhood to, to Helg. And I, I will, uh, jump in there, Merg's about, I was bullied a bit. Um, so I relate to, to Helg in that way. And, um, I would like to preface this statement by also apologizing to any of my family that listens to this and also say, I love, I love my parents very dearly. And I truly believe in my, every fiber of my being that they did the best that they could with the tools that they had at the time. But they also came from very traumatic uh, upbringings. So uh, that led for me having a bit of a traumatic upbringing. Um, I grew up in Japan. And then quite abruptly, my parents, we lived there until I was 10 years old. I had my 10th birthday technically in the United States, but it was literally just two months shy of, of my birthday. So um, we, I lived there till we were 10 and they didn't really know how to tell us that we were leaving. So they didn't really. Um, and we just came home, two things packed and that was traumatizing. And it's taken me a long time to be able to acknowledge like how much that actually messed me up. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I understood how much it messed me up either. We left Japan and at the same time we were leaving, we were leaving because my parents were going through a nasty divorce, screaming at each other. Like, you know, I remember instances where my sister and I would be like hiding under the bed together because they were just going at it so intensely. Ugh. And and they they fought over us and it was difficult. Like, well, you know, do you want to come live with your dad? Do you want to come live with your And it was just like, it was just brutal. It's a really tough thing for a kid to go through, for anybody to go through. I'm sure it was difficult for them as well. So, you know, coming back and then also trying to fit in to the American school when we got there and, you know, uh, everyone calling me, you know, names and Japanese racial slurs, they called me. Uh, oh, and it, yeah, it was just like, it was, but it's weird. Because I didn't really, I felt a little bit out of place when I was in Japan anyway, because I, you know, blonde hair, I'm not Japanese. So it like, I didn't really fit in there either. And I think now that I can look back on it and articulate what was so messed up about going back is because my dad and my, my mom would refer to the United States as home. They'd be like, oh, you know, when we get home or when we do that, but I don't have that experience. I don't know what that is. And then 
you know, you go there and it doesn't feel like it should. So it's weird. You feel like a foreigner, but everybody looks like you and that's weird. And you, it's just, it's just strange. Um, and then your parents are going through a nasty divorce and like we, you know, we didn't have heat that winter and it was first time experiencing winter because I lived on a tropical island in Japan. So there was (laughs) snow, which was exciting, but yeah, it was just, um, yeah, it was a really tough time. And I, I became really, really close with my best friend at the time, Mallory. I will never forget her. Our friendship was insane. We used to think we were aliens, like same thing as, as you, we didn't really fit in, but we would do weird shit, like act like aliens at school. It was so fun. (laughs) But yeah. And you know, she was also going through, you know, like a, a rough divorce and, and whatnot. But then I think it was only two years later or a year later after I had just gotten settled, my mom up and moved to another town. And like, I couldn't really be close friends with Mallory anymore. And so it was just like a constant upheaval, which caused me to be emotionally unavailable. This is the whole story was to just get to the point where I very much relate to Charlotte, who is emotionally unavailable because I was trained to be emotionally unavailable as a kid. My, my mom also then became a single mom. Uh, trying to raise kids and work. So again, love her. I really feel like she did the best that she could. She was also a mom young. She had me when she was 25. I can't imagine that now. My parents too. (laughs) Like what? My mom had my sister when she was 18. Wow. Like I am just now to the point where I think I could probably do that. But I can't imagine if I had, you know, had two kids at 25. So I think like, you know, again, I love my mom. She did the absolute best that she could with the tools that she had. But because she was working and, you know, had kids so young and never really had any time for herself, she was pretty emotionally unavailable and or um, neglectful. Like my sister and I were in charge of each other. We were home alone a lot. I went around the neighborhood in a raincoat pretending to be Harriet the Spy with spy glasses <laughs> and, Stop you know, right now. Me too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I made my own private notebook. Mm-hmm. I had a notebook and yep. I would write down what the kids were doing in, yep. in the, the neighborhood and I recorded everything. Harriet yep. the Spy style. That's incredible. Yep. And my raincoat was green. It was my mother's. The shoes were also my mother's. And I begged her to get me a composition notebook. And she was like, they're so expensive. They're the, they're the name brand, right? Compared right. to the other notebooks. And she was like, you know, can't, won't any notebook do? And I was like, no, mom, please. It has to be a composition notebook. And then I cut out on paper. I cut out and I mimicked the private on there and I taped it and gl- or glued it on top of the notebook. And I was really proud of that notebook. Anyway, I loved it. And um, yeah, it was, yeah, I would run around the neighborhood as Harriet the Spy. And I, now when I'm listening to like my murder shows and shit, and they're talking about <laughs> kids that get kidnapped at like, you know, 10 or 12 or whatever. I was like, dude, I was, pr- I was prime kidnap material. I was around in a <laughs> weird ass raincoat, like with, you know, binoculars and stuff alone for hours. Yeah. So Neglect is something I've had to deal with quite a bit. And emotional unavailability is something that I struggle with still daily. I'm also a workaholic, exactly like mom. Mom, I love you, but we're both that way. So, you know, those kinds of things. But I look at I look at my childhood and I what's weird to me is that I wasn't unhappy at the time. I don't think. Yeah. I look back on it now and I go, that's so sad. But I didn't necessarily feel sad. I felt lonely, but I don't think I understood the gravity of my feelings, really. I don't think you do. I don't think Kelk felt. Is it pity that we feel for our past selves? Do you look back and go, oh, empathy, empathy? Yeah. I just wish someone had sat me down 
and given me therapy for Christ's sake. I know you move to a new country. You're getting in fights, physical fist fights with kids. You know, your parents are going through their tough divorce. So let's just sit down and talk to someone. We need more of that today. As an adult, everybody needs a therapist. Everybody needs to be able to sit down and talk about stuff. Right. I mean, I feel like my my childhood was happy because like both of you said, I think my biological parents did the best that they could and they had both me and my sister very young. I can't imagine yeah. they were in like your mid twenties, owned a house, had two kids, both working. Like I can't imagine. But um I lost my dad when I was seven. And so that just completely changed everything for me. And my mom married my stepdad very shortly after. And that was just a new era for me. Yeah. Like for anyone who's lost a parent, that's hard enough. Yeah. But then to get a replacement parent in quotation yeah. marks, yeah. and then all of a sudden your family is hijacked by this other person and mm -hmm. you lose the family that you had before and you have this new family you have to adapt to. It's very challenging. Yeah. To add to that, he was also a very, um, very stern, very overbearing, domineering person. Lots of emotional abuse. Yeah. Lots of psychological abuse in our house. Um, and so I think I escaped in fantasy a lot. I would hide out in my room. Yeah. yeah. Read. Same. I was avid reader. Yeah. Dude, I I didn't realize how fucked up this was until much much later. But I would do everything in my room. My mom would bring us food in our room when she remarried and it didn't occur to me until an adult when people are like oh yeah family meals and shit and i'm like that was super fucked up she would yeah. bring us our dinner so that we weren't out there like you're enabling this that's <laughs> terrible love yeah. you mom but what the hell like i know you're trying to keep a peaceful household but man that's that's yeah that's I not healthy. wish someone had just said that's not healthy right somebody outside to be like hey you're okay it's part of the reason why this is so this is such a weird thing, but I hope this helps someone. I refuse to have my computer or my workspace in my bedroom anymore because of that reason. When I got my apartment, I was like, no, I'm you know, I don't have this apartment does not have room for an office space. And um, my partner and I had similar upbringing. So that's part of the reason why our desks are right out in the living room. We're right next to each other because neither of us want to have feel that feeling of like being hold in your room like hiding or being sm as small as you possibly can so recognizing that and giving yourself that gift is one of the best things i learned as an adult and i wish i had learned it sooner learning that like hey i hate the sound of dishes being done just tell me when you're going to do dishes so I can go somewhere else. Yeah. Like knowing those triggers and not just trying to brush them aside or be like, oh, I need to get over that. And then just giving myself permission to be okay with that yeah. being a thing in my life has been so, it's been a gift is the best way I can put it. So yeah, you can leave that in. And I, I hope it helps somebody listening because you really do need to give yourself permission to acknowledge that kind of stuff. It's very helpful. Yeah. Are we all crying? Yes. <laughs> was not expecting this. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we say that every week. And so, yeah. I mean, I also just want to say thank you for, for sharing both of you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Going back to what you said, PB, about everyone needing therapy. We all have trauma oh, yeah. of some kind. It doesn't have yeah. to be losing a parent. It doesn't have to be being abused. We all experience trauma. And a lot of times our bodies can't release it or come to terms with it unless we yeah. face it and move through it. Yeah. And I think another really important thing too, 
is everyone has a plate. So if you think of it like that, everybody's got a plate. Yours might be very ornate and very big. Mine might be small and have a crack already in it from something that happened when I was a kid. But that plate can only hold so much. So try really hard, and I know it's hard, but try really hard not to say, oh, it's fine because I wasn't, you know, physically abused as a yes, kid. Yes, don't compare yourself. Oh or, my God. you know, I wasn't raped, so I shouldn't be complaining. That is so dangerous. That is so dangerous because, you know, your plate is only so small and it's full. So it's okay to look at that and go, how do I take some of the stuff off my plate or just love the plate that I have? And it's okay. You know, like there is, there's something really therapeutic and important about recognizing that everything that happens to you leads you to the moment and who you are now and to bring it back to Nietzsche and determinism, like you know, everything that possibly led up to this moment is shaping you. It's, it's how you're making your choices and your decisions. And it's important to kind of look at that and be like, okay, well, yeah, I I can't listen to dishes being done. I can't do it. And that's okay. Yeah. Should we talk about Helg now? Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Let's yeah. Let's shift gears to to Helg. (laughs) So good. So good. Yeah. Those listening, we just spent like five minutes crying, but we're back now and we're okay. We're ready. (laughs) (laughs) I owe you guys 200 for the hour. Thank you. (laughs) I love how you made that joke at the very beginning. You're like, oh, you know, oh, here we go. Uh, But then we did actually end up going there. Um, So yeah, it was great. Um, It was a really good conversation. I think it's, I think it's also going to be a great way to start the conversation about Helga because yes. of just how much he goes through in his life. It's to some extent, we're obviously going to dive deeper into this in the episode, but to go from the overbearing and stern and almost um, authoritarian nature of his mother to yeah. basically being conditioned by Noah to become a killer yeah. And then degrading or devolving into Alzheimer's. And yeah. the, I mean, just that's so tragic. He is a very tragic character and he's incredibly sympathetic. Like very. Uh, as soon as we saw that childhood episode, I, man. And I think to bring it back to some of our conversation from earlier, I think seeing how much his dad did love him, but was unavailable. Yes. Like how different would his childhood have been had his dad been there, been around? Or even stood up to his mother because there were a couple scenes where his dad like gave his mom a look like you're doing this thing again, but he didn't actually step in. Like Helg could have been leading that company instead of Claudia. Right. Wow. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Like give him a chance and he could have been. Maybe. Maybe Maybe. not. (laughs) But it's something to think. It's something to think about, too. And I just think. The way that they show you Helg and even Helg wanting to make it right. You know, TikTok, I I know it. I can change it. I have to stop myself. You know, yeah. Yes. That definitely came up in my notes when I was going back through the the show and writing things down and watching scenes over again is just Mm -hmm. how how much pain and manipulation he went through just to get to the point where he still wanted to fix things. He yeah. still wanted like a redemption arc of I I need to put this right. I need to fix this. I need to yeah. prevent all of that from happening because I guess at that point he'd finally built up his his courage or at least his conviction to try to step in. Yeah, and I think um I think too his came from a place of I recognized that I had been emotionally manipulated 
and I'm going to go out of my way to try to fix it and make it right. Whereas I think sometimes redemption arcs can be, I just want to feel better about what I've done. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I didn't feel that with Helg. I really felt he was just like, holy cow, I was taken advantage of. I didn't know. I want to fix it the best I can, regardless of if it costs me my life or not. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. I have a fun note about that. So it is, it is a little bit about the end of Helg. But I think when I noticed this, it kind of blew my mind. So I went back to watch the scene where Hal crashes his car into his younger version and and kills himself in the process in order to try and kill himself then in order to break the cycle. And I noticed a couple of really fascinating things. First, Irgen van Irgen V Irgen Vo is playing in the car uh, right before they crash, which is insane and crazy. Nina, right? Or yep, Nina? Uh, by Nina. Yeah, Nina. But the scene just before that is the scene where the stranger, middle-aged Jonas, meets Jonas in the bunker and they talk to each other. And he goes, you have to stay in the, like he leaves him in the bunker in order to continue the cycle. Yeah. And immediately after that is Helg trying to take himself out to end the cycle. Yeah. And the juxtaposition of those two those two characters, because fundamentally it's the same theme, older version, younger version, you know, interacting in a moment of time, but fundamentally they're the complete opposite thing. And it's crazy because I think Jonas is, I think you spend most of the time thinking of Jonas as the, the savior to some extent, or, you know, the person who's going to fix all of this. And even at that moment, you think, oh, he's just doing that to fix this. But it was crazy because when I went back to watch that scene, I was like, this is an example of how people become Adam and how people actually try to change the timeline. No yep. matter how insignificant yeah. that was, he still did it and sacrificed himself. Yeah. And Jonas refuses to do that. Yeah. Jonas was already Adam at that point, technically, or like well on the path to Adam. Because, And you're absolutely right. That's such a good point of pointing out that we look at Jonas as this hero figure at that point. And Helg was trying to be a hero there. I mean, yes, he ended up not being able to succeed there, but he tried. He sure shit tried. We also don't know what, I mean, we know the timeline and we know that Helg taking out himself was part of the timeline. But mm -hmm. theoretically, you could argue again also that had he not done that, what would have happened? Yeah. You know, in some regard, he kind of is a hero. And also, you know, something that shocked me when I went to go ba go back and watch it was Helg's story is entirely in season one. He goes yeah. through that crash and he dies on episode 10. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so sorry. I got like, Acorn was like, well, I was going to tell you bitches that, but <laughs> you stole it. <laughs> no, I like, I like that we talked about that here because that's something I noticed too. I was shocked when I went back and I was like, wait, so all his scenes in season two are just in between all of his storyline, which is covered in season one. I was shocked. Yeah. One thing, since we're kind of on the topic with the the car crash and everything, he does a lot of traveling in the 1980s. So like 1986, for instance, he's Noah's henchman. And then his older self tries to take him out with the car. After that, there's a couple scenes in the hospital when he's recovering where Egon comes to uh, question him. And then Claudia comes to talk to him about the book. And then I don't think there's anything that's shown after that. So 
at least from what I saw, there was a gap between him recovering in the hospital from the car accident and then him being in the nursing home. Yeah. So I almost wonder, did he in some way cause himself to go into the nursing home? Did he cause some sort of damage there? Was he yes. the cause of yeah. his own suffering as a an elderly man? I think so. I think, I think so. I yeah. Fucking love that yep. theory. Yeah. Oh, my okay. God. I'm so, I'm here for it. You know, what's crazy as well is in, in doing my research for Helga, I found that in some way I, I wrote a note down that was basically along the lines of, I wonder if Helg has empathy for Ulrich right before he's about to do it. Because in a sense, Helg does the exact same oh. thing that Ulrich did to him, which caused him that damage in the first place. And it's, it's, it's almost this like, heartbreaking because i don't i honestly think that if no one had influenced him at all he would have been totally fine he would have mm -hmm. grown up and been maybe a bit of a weirdo probably really into i don't know dark academia <laughs> aesthetics <laughs> uh maybe into some tiktoks who knows written but like poetry you know <laughs> writing poetry listens probably to loves dead poet yes. society wearing some vests oh yeah but <laughs> totally yeah i think that he would have been fine but it's almost like these two instances where ulrich tries to kill him he survives he ends up in the cycle of henchmanness, mm -hmm. and then disciple can we call disciple? him a disciple because that's so creepy and i love it yeah it's really creepy <laughs> he becomes a disciple and then he himself is like i need to stop me myself and then that's what you know makes him end up in the nursing home like you said and it's like but if everyone had just left him alone right oh god let's um let's bookmark that yeah because one of the things i want to talk about is helga in the origin world because he's outside the time loops. And so he should exist in the origin world because Peter is there. And so I want to dive into that at the end of the conversation and talk about the what ifs. Okay. But if we were to start at the beginning, yes, Helga is growing up in the 1940s. He's in a very nice home because his family is rich. Um, but his home life is really turbulent because like we've already established, his father was affectionate, but also not entirely present. And his mother is very stern and domineering and doesn't show Helga very much affection. He collects dead birds. Um, he also sees the dead bodies of the missing boys that he, his future self, kidnaps and helps murder as a child. So that's messed up. And then, of course, Ulrich comes back in time and tries to kill him with a rock. And that is where his ear gets damaged. He meets Noah and basically starts getting indoctrinated by him into Sigmundus. Much of his adult life is spent doing things for Noah while also living almost a double life as a normal person working at his father's power plant. The fact that he has a job there, I do find interesting too, that his father employed him as like a, a maintenance worker or a security person who helps out around the grounds of the, of the power plant. There's also a period of time when he's a child where after his encounter with Ulrich and he comes home, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't speak anymore, which actually spooks his mother a lot. You know, Greta seems to turn away from her overbearing parenting style to being more standoffish and worried about her son because this is very abnormal. He's not getting into trouble. He's not talking. And so when Noah visits, she 
voices this concern. And eventually Noah gives him a Bible and Helga starts to come around and, and be a little more uh, interactive. And then Greta just wants to bang Noah the whole time. Basically. Yeah. Oh boy, I have some notes about her. Yeah, it's still like a really weird religious kink. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I have notes about her, so we will get there. Boy. <laughs> I want to say even in his timeline, it's pretty straightforward. He he is raised in that household. He becomes a disciple. He does a lot of work for Noah and distantly Adam. He has a couple brushes with Egon and Claudia talking about the book he gives Claudia, being questioned by Egon about the route that he took. Why not the forest road? Why yes. not the forest road? Which, yeah. Can we just talk about that in relation to everything that we've talked about before? Everything happens on the forest road. Like, wow. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> it's actually called Forest Way. Waldweg. Oh. Waldweg. Yeah. That's where the forest crash way. happens. The intersection between Waldweg and Oberstrasse. It just basically means ditch street. Interesting. Yeah, that's so fascinating how a lot of the encounters, a lot of these important moments happen either in the woods or on the road that goes by or through the woods. Yeah, I think it's that specific intersection, too, that's within the view of the power plant. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the intersection where everything happens. As an adult, he's he's living in the, the nursing home. And to kind of call back what you said, PB, about his redemption arc being more about doing what's right versus doing mm -hmm. what's going to make him feel better. There's mm -hmm. this one scene where he travels back to 1986 and confronts himself at the cabin before he ever hits himself with the car. I totally forgot about this scene, but backing up a little bit more for just a second, he's in the mm -hmm. nursing home and he has a dream about himself as a boy, bloodied, recently bloodied by Ulrich, waking up in the bunker and seeing the time machine and looking around and he wakes up and he says, I remember everything. Yeah. Shortly after that, Ulrich comes to visit him and questions him about Mads. At this point, Helga remembers everything. And so he recognizes Ulrich as the man who hurt him. And he says, it was you. And Ulrich has to get dragged away. It's after that that he travels and goes back to 1986 and he confronts his younger self at the cabin and says, you have to stop. He's using you. All his promises are lies. Don't make the same mistakes I did. And when that wasn't enough, he took things even more into his own hands and decided to off himself on the road, which, as we know, is not successful. Yeah, which is just it's crazy because there's also a weird moment where Helg has a copy of Journey Through Time from Ten House mm -hmm. and he gives a copy to Claudia. Why? I always assumed that he was told to. I, th I think that's probably true. But at what moment did Helg realize he was being used? Oh, I think I think it's in the bunker when he points the screwdriver at Noah. Yeah. Yes. And and there's this scene where Noah, he's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then yeah. Noah gives him a whole speech and pulls pulls him closer and holds the screwdriver against him. It's this very intense scene. And I, I think that maybe that's when he starts to key into it, though. I'm trying to remember there's a scene. I wonder, is it the same scene where Noah talks about Claudia and how Claudia has convinced him that Helga's doing the wrong things because Claudia told him? I think it's a scene after he's talking to Bartosh. Can't remember yes. exactly. So wait a minute. Is that why he has affection for Claudia? Because we know he's he likes her a lot. 
He's always helped her since they were younger. Yeah, yeah. Since they were tiny, he loves her. So, but I'm, I'm just wondering if, so he hears from Claudia that it's all a lie and then he's willing to believe it. I think so. Cause I swear to God, there's a scene, like there's a scene where Noah is talking about how Claudia lied yeah. to him and that she's actually, you know, it's the, there's a war between shadow and light and yeah. you yeah. know, that speech that I think he gives Bartosh, I swear he says something in relation to Helg, but I might, I might be wrong. Yeah. I got the impression that Helg was working with Claudia is what I, I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah, there's I don't know if this is the scene you're talk you're talking about or referencing, but there is a scene in the hospital when he's recovering from the accident and Claudia comes to visit him and she's asking about a journey through time. And he tells her he gave it to her because he thought she might be the only one who can understand him, which I thought was super interesting. And from there, he tells her that Noah said there was a struggle between good and evil and that the travelers can undo everything. And then he grabs her by the arm and tells her she must never trust him, Noah. Ooh, yeah. can, I, can I come up with an idea here? And you can tell me if you think it's wrong. Yes. I wonder if the moment he realized he was being manipulated and to no longer trust Noah was when he looked at himself dead in the car and thought, this man was trying to kill me for a reason. What does future me know? Oh, God. Holy shit. That, yeah, right? That what does future me know? I clearly need to stop what I'm doing. I need, yeah, future yep. me is upset. Future me thought I was doing something wrong wow. and tried to kill oh, me. Oh my God. I think that you might be right. I think that so. is the, that's after all of his traveling and he doesn't He's do already, it again. He knows, yeah, and he yeah. knows time travel is a thing. So yep. like, it's not with, it's not outside the realm of possibility that this guy who kind of looks like me is me. Yes. And when does Noah disappear? Because Noah dies, right? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah. I don't remember. I think that's much, much later. I will have to talk about it. It's so tough with Noah. A lot of those scenes are in like Adam's bunker. So you can't really tell like what time period it is. Yeah, that's oh, true. Man. Yeah, because I, I think the scene where he like crashes into himself, there's a moment where he looks at the man sitting in the car. Yes. Yeah. And then he, there's like a, a moment of recognition or something. And then he leans up against the car and just stares off into space. And then that is, I believe it's almost immediately followed by a scene of Noah talking to Bartosh oh, about how there's a light and shadow and all that stuff. I might be wrong. So people listening, please yell at me if I am. But like, I wonder if that's the moment he realized I need to get out of this because clearly I think this is me trying to, I think I tried to kill myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And then, I mean, to go off of what you said too about the song playing on the radio, he's sitting at the stoplight before he gets hit. And the radio is playing and it's Nina's song and specifically the line that comes across the radio I wrote down and it's yeah. the lyric that says, somehow the future starts somewhere sometime. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then he goes through the intersection and gets hit. What's the line right after Acorn? Can you look up what line it is right after? Because there's yeah. a very distinct moment where the music is about to hit the line and it abruptly cuts right as he's hit by the car. But it's like enough time is given that it gives me the impression that like that is the answer to the question almost yeah um so it's somehow the future starts somewhere deep within our hearts we will never ever part love draws bravery from the might so don't think about it twice our future rides on fiery wheels directly through the night what 
our future rides Drives on fiery, fiery wheels. wheels directly through the night. What? Holy shit. Dude. Ah, this so show. I'm curious. I'm curious as to exactly what line comes after, like right when the song cuts, because I wonder like what the you know, I wonder what that line is. This song is used a lot. We'll we'll talk about this song on yeah. the, on the music. Episode. Yeah, we've got the music one. That's crazy. That's super, super. That's cool. amazing. I love that. So good. I do want to bring up, too, that there is there is a moment where. I mean, we'll talk about this on Noah's episode two, but there's a recurring theme with Noah that's hidden in the show where it's nothing is in vain. Hmm. I think he makes a he makes a comment about it offhandedly. And then he also tells he tells Helga story about himself. We don't know it is about him yet. <gasps> yes. But in that story that he tells, he mentions the man is muttering in his, his sleep that nothing is in vain. And in my opinion, that line, that theme, that no matter what, nothing that we're doing is in vain. Helg driving that car, like, I'm going to try it because nothing is in vain. Yeah. Right. That's like, we can assume that that's something Noah had to tell himself over and over again, but that he also repeated it to Helg. Nothing yeah. is in vain. We have to, you know, like we're killing kids. We're sending them through time, but it, nothing is in vain. So yeah. I like in my mind, my head cannon. He's in that car and he's like, nothing's in vain. I got to do this. Oh, my God. Oof. Which is so twisted Oof. because yeah. if that piece of advice or like mentality came from Noah, the person who conditioned him to do all these terrible things, that's so fucked up. And yeah. I also realized now that you mentioned that Noah's the first person to say TikTok yeah. when he's strapping young Helga into the chair and closing yeah. it around him. He yeah. tells him time chose you. God chose you. And then TikTok. Yeah. So fucking manipulative, man. It's truly like there's a special place in hell for these people. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a special, special place, place in hell. There's a special place in hell for Noah. And yet we love him. Like we how, love him so How did much. this show fuck us up so badly that we're like, Noah? <laughs> I don't know. Because going back to season one, you're like, well, he's because he's a he's real a, person. Yeah, he is a real person. He's a real person who you who's see. also manipulated. Yeah, we could get into it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into it on yeah. his episode, but they all are. Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. 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 And like uh, Noah touching Helg's face and cupping his ear and yeah. making him look at him and stuff like that. There's just like so much with Helg and Noah together. Like, th man. Yeah, it's poor Helg. It's so twisted. But I'm, yeah. I, I think in answer to your question, PB, about how did the show make us feel so much about these characters who do awful things, mm -hmm. I think it kind of reminds me of what we were talking about at the start of this episode and just acknowledging that even going through rough childhoods mm -hmm. as adults, we can understand that our parents are just people. They're just adults and they were doing the best that they could. And sometimes that meant making terrible decisions that had consequences. So I think the same is here as well. These are just people. And when you can look at someone from all angles, like Noah, you can understand He's not just a one-dimensional character who's trying to, I don't know, take over the world or try to blind someone into doing these things. He's actually trying to accomplish a goal to get his daughter back. Yeah. And I think like to bring it back to the cyclical loops too, I, th I just realized this. Noah has a moment where he wakes up and realizes he's been manipulated and betrayed. Yeah. Yes. And dies trying to stop the cycle. And then, you know, Helg does the same thing. Cyclical. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, what's another thing that in, in doing research for this show, every episode that we do now is further and further away from when I watched the show. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff that I'm, you know, starting to forget more and more. Yeah. I noticed that yesterday, too. Yeah, man. I, I totally forgot that Helga ends up with Noah in 1986 because he touches Jonas's finger at yep. the end of season yes. one. And Jonas is the one who sends him back or sends him forward rather. Yeah, sends him yeah, forward. into the bunker. Yep. And I forgot that entirely. And that's <laughs> why he's so that's part of the reason why he's so traumatized because he's gone for a while, right? Because they say yeah. he's been six months. Wait, he's gone for six months? Yeah. I thought it was a couple of weeks. And she's like, he's been gone for a couple of weeks, and but he won't speak. Because that's a big fucking deal. Like, I know that he's gone, and then he comes back and is not speaking. And his mom is weird, and Noah gets him to read a passage from the Bible. And she's surprised by that. But I thought he was missing for weeks. I didn't know he was gone for six months. Yeah, man. Okay, hold on. I am pulling it up. Mm-hmm. Helga spends more than six months in the future. Noah looks after him, gaining Helga's lasting loyalty. Wow. Eventually, Noah sends Helga back to the 1950s using the time travel chair. So that's season two, episode three. That's so fucked up. That's so he, fucked up. Oh, my God. He was beaten with a rock by Ulrich, dragged into the bunker, wakes up, travels through the rift with Jonas to go into the bunker, and then basically at his most vulnerable state is brought into the plan by Noah. He like he strikes when Helga is the most yeah. vulnerable. Noah takes care of him. Yeah. Oh, that's my some, fucking that's God. That's some Stockholm syndrome right there. I mean, they say that that's not true anymore, but I mean, yeah. that's if there ever there was a instance of it, that's that's it. And also just could you imagine going to 1986 and seeing all this crazy shit and then Noah being like, you know, I'll take you home. Well, I don't think he ever left the bunker. You're saying Noah kept him in the bunker for six months and didn't let him go outside? Yeah, if they did, it didn't I, show it. No, there's no scene where he's outside of the bunker. We see him inside of the bunker with Noah frequently. That's the only place we see him. I don't think he would have. Maybe this is me wanting Noah not to be so much of a monster. But I, I feel like he wouldn't be able to gain the trust of a kid if he kept him in a bunker for six months. But just imagine this for a second. Imagine you've got this kid that's been beaten with a rock and you say, God chose you. Time has chosen you. I'm sorry, you know, you were attacked. And then he chose you 1986 and is like, look, you're somewhere else. But I promise you. I can provide paradise and I can bring you home. And then he does it. Yeah, you'd be loyal to that fucker for the rest of your life. Yep. You'd be like, yeah. yep, this is magic. I met a wizard today. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. I met yeah. a wizard today. Yeah. I can't, I cannot find anything that, that indicates whether or not he was not allowed to leave the bunker. However, he wakes up in the bunker. We only ever see him in the bunker. And then he is sent back in the chair inside the bunker. And then he's yep. sent back to 1950. I wonder if you could make an argument like if I'm Noah and I'm trying to like keep this kid trusting me as much as possible and creating a relationship with him forces him to depend on me, giving him access to what 1986 looks like when he's from the 1950s. Yeah, I imagine that you wouldn't want to do that. But at the same time, it is it's over well, six you months. You might not want to, but it's proof. Yeah. Yeah. It's six, six months, man. But maybe that's part of why he gets so yeah. fucked up. 
I think there's a scene where, uh, I mean, I have to remember, I'd have to go back and watch it because I, I have memory of a scene where Noah heals him or like patches him up or something. But I, I think I'm imagining it. Yeah, I don't remember that. But I am wondering now what Helga looks like when he's being sent back by Noah in the chair. Like, is his ear healed? Because that would support the six month time frame. Yeah, he is. His ear is healed. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Oh, and then also as an adult. So uh, if this is, you know, where we're landing, how he spent a lot of time in the bunker starting to trust Noah and basically turn into his disciple. It's also really appropriate that as an adult, when his faith in Noah starts to get shaken, he is also in the bunker holding the screwdriver, like you said, and starting yeah. to say, like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's in the same place that he was yep. first brought in. Also, small note, ever since we talked about color, I see it everywhere. And in I know. that scene, yeah. he's wearing blue gloves. Yep. Oh, my God. He's wearing blue gloves in a blue room. So good. I'm so, so glad good. we did that episode yeah. early because it's Me like, too. it's just, it's beautiful. I do have some dirt. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. So 1986, the crash happens. You are absolutely right. Non-fatal accident with his future self. Now, directly after that, Claudia visits him and yep. is like, why the hell did you give me this book? And he says, I thought you were the only one who could understand me because time is always with you. Yes. Now, Claudia doesn't understand. And Helg says that Noah says there's a struggle between good and evil and that the travelers can undo everything. And he grabs her tightly by the arm and says, you must never trust him. So I'm just throwing it out there that Mergs, I think you're right. I think he had his awakening after he hit himself with the car and yeah. he saw his own dead body in there going, what the? Because immediately after that, he's, he starts being like, don't trust Noah. Yep. Yes. That was the scene I was talking about earlier, but the time is always with you. That's something I didn't bring up yeah. yet. So let's think about this for a second. He yep. spends all these years with Noah. He's an adult. This is post-accident. He's in the mm -hmm. hospital meeting with Claudia and he tells her that she might be mm -hmm. the only one who understands him because time is always with her. Later... Actually, as a child, when he comes back to the Doppler mansion and is questioned, he mentions the white devil. Does he know in this moment that Claudia is the white devil? He tells her time is always with her and she might be the only one who, who can understand him because she is going to turn into the white devil and do all of this traveling. Yep. I yeah. believe it. I, I believe, believe that it. too. I'm yep. with you. Totally. Yep. And I think that in a similar way in which we saw... Oh, this is such an interesting thought because we look at Francisca and Magnus as equals, two yeah. paths of this twisted timeline. And I think that Helg's pair is Claudia. I would agree. Because they both travel and they've been traveling since, you know, potentially very young, but they, but they travel a lot. And I wonder if Helg's fascination with Claudia from the very beginning has always been that on some level. He knows just the way Francisca and Magnus kind of look at each other and know something is up. I wonder if Helga knows when he looks at her, like there's something about mm. you. You're yeah. the only one that will understand me because you too will become a traveler. I mean, it's a little bit, there's, there will be no evidence for something like that, but it's an interesting thought to consider if we're dealing with fate and um, these, these lines or, you know, a type of determinism where, you kind of know everything's going to happen again. And that's hell, man. Tick tock. Everything's yeah. going to happen again. Tick tock. Tick tock.
Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, he, uh, I think he might know. Well, I mean, yeah, he must have heard. He must have been told or he met her or something when he was with Noah. So he knows that she's the white devil at some point. But he also gives her the uh, Journey Through Time book. Yeah, he knows yeah. she's going to be a yeah. traveler. He then warns her about Noah. Yeah, yeah. you must never yeah. trust Noah. And he himself, like you said, has done so much traveling. And I feel like you're right. Claudia doesn't really have a counterpart in the story. I yeah. think I think Helga is the closest one. And I mean, they yeah. grew up together. She was his his math That's tutor. True. Yeah. And how interesting is this? That that moment, Helga handing her the book and betraying Noah might be what sets her on the path of actually undoing the loop. That's exactly what I yeah. was thinking. The tutor becomes the 2T. Yeah. <laughs> and e even just him... Helg wanting to stop it. I can stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't realize that he did stop it. Oh, baby Helg, you did it. You know, you just did it by giving somebody a book, yeah. not by hitting Instead yourself of... with a car. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what else I found out that I didn't know is that uh, Helg accidentally dropped the Ryder chocolate bar wrapper in the woods. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. yep. he takes it out of the glove compartment when he was at yeah. the power I plant. I remember. Yeah. And he likes the candy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's such a which red is herring. also that's just such a fucked up scene too because I know yeah. they're not. I you know I'm an adult. I love candy, but in that moment, I looked. I felt like they put that in there to show he's still a kid. Innocence, he yeah. never yep. grew up. Yeah, he's yeah. stunted and taken advantage of Ugh. his whole life. Yeah. You know what's crazy? So yeah. I was listening to a podcast recently, and it was about it. It suddenly reminds me of Helg a lot right now. It was about this boy. And um, forgive me, I can't, I have to look up the podcast exactly, but it was about this boy who was kidnapped and lived with this man. He didn't think he was kidnapped. The man was nice to him and said that his parents said that he could take him out for a drive. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he and his friend, like the man and his friend were like, oh, you're just going to come and stay with us for the night. Your parents are okay with it. And then, you know, after about a week was like, your parents actually said they can't afford to keep you anymore. So we're going to raise you. Yeah. So he raised Jesus. him for seven years. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. He raised him and unfortunately abused him for seven years. And then in this like weird twisty relationship and then wanted another kid because he was aging out. Uh, <gasps> and Gross. And so ties back into our convo guys that i said previously about when you realize how old you were at the abuse that you had you know he he's able to kidnap another kid but the 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 first boy who's now a teenager realizes like oh my god like this kid wants to go home so he takes him and he saved him and brought him back to his family found found the police all this other stuff wow um, it's that actually sounds amazing it's a crazy story, but it's also pretty tragic because what ended up happening was that his family who had been searching for him all this time, they got their son back. But that by the time they got their son back, they were not prepared for a child who had been in this scenario for seven years, who'd been abused at the level that he was in and also had been given as much freedom as he had been given because he was like partying with his friends and smoking weed all the time and stuff. Yeah. And so he ended up having an extremely strained relationship with his family, could never really like fit back in with his family. And then like in his early 20s, he got in a motorcycle accident and died. It's like Whoa, very oh sad. Oh my God. Yeah. It sounds like Helg. Yeah. It's, but that's, that's what I mean. It's like this level of like he, uh, though I should say though, 
Hal assists Noah in kidnapping yes. these boys and right. he assists in killing these boys and sending them back through time. Yeah. And he he participates in it. But, you know, yeah, it's crazy. I will I will look up what that podcast episode is and we can put it yeah. in the show notes. if you Yeah, want. Okay, that would sure. be amazing. Yeah, I think that would be really good. Do we think Helga was ever happy in his life? Oh, wow. Acorn. Just, after talking about all of this. Okay, listen, now I'm going to start charging you by the hour. All right. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know either. I think he was, I think he was happy when he was around. I wanted to say Claudia. I think he was happy when he, I don't know if he was or not, but Maybe he, he was happy with his he wife. He meets someone. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And then they separate. Yeah. Supposedly, right. Yeah. But even one year of happiness is yeah. worth mentioning. Yeah, totally. One day of happiness is, or maybe even his time with Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's kind of stretching because we don't really see the relationship. We just see his. um, I feel like there's one moment where he either holds his his cheek or his shoulder or something in affection, but it it, that was like it. Yeah, but I think watching how Peter speaks of him, yeah, Yeah. speaks to what a parent he was when he arrived, when Peter arrived and Helg took over. Like Peter would die on a hill. Peter didn't know him. Yeah. Peter yeah. would die on a hill for Helg. And so to me, in my opinion, that means that Helg shows up as okay. a dad. I like that. Um, that. Yeah. Oh, that's I true. like that because it could also just be though that his mom died. Right. And so that's why he went to go be with Helg. Yeah. Oh but, God. Oh God. But wait. Oh what? no. But Peter shows up in that scene when he's at the bus stop and um, Charlotte is there. That's like, that's 86, right? Yeah. That's when all of this shit's going down. That's when he's still kidnapping kids and killing them and then getting into a car accident with his older self. They may not have had that much happy time together. Oh Yeah, because he would be taking care of him right away. He like went into a... Wait a minute. What if, do we know the actual timeline? I bet we could look it up. Because what if... I'm looking it up right now. It happens after the accident. Then he had his wake up call about Noah is like, forget this and becomes a parent to Peter. I think you might be right, actually, but I hope so. That would be nice because then he wouldn't be working for Noah anymore and he could focus on being a father as he's slowly sliding into dementia. Yeah, those would be the happy years. I can imagine if that's the case. Yeah, definitely. And also, I think there's something to be said, too, about Helg having a son. And the sun shows up and then, you know, there's that whole thing of, oh God, I took other people's sons away. Yes. You know, like, holy shit. Because they were all boys. Yeah. Fuck, man. Um, well, first of all, Peter protects his father a lot yes. by the, the bunker yeah. and all that stuff. Um, yeah. And I think like there's also a point where Helg admits to saying that he killed a kid. And then Peter's like, stop, you don't know what you're saying. And, oh, you know, yeah. like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, this is super bizarre. I'm looking at the timeline. Mm -hmm. Is this, is this functioning with the correct only like season one stuff? Oh, is it? Peter moves to Winden. It's in the out of time. Yeah. Peter moves to Winden after his mother, Olaf Schmidt, dies in 1987. Only during his mother's final moments, she told him whose father actually is a man named Helg Doppler. So on his bus stop on the way to Winden, he meets Charlotte. But Helg is already in the hospital at that point. In 87? He's already been hit by the car. I believe so. Yeah, he got so. hit by the car in 86. 
So he would already be in the home. Oh, good. So this is this is after. Okay. After the car accident. Yeah. But that's not really that's not really good, is it? Does he continue working for Noah after the car accident? He doesn't. He doesn't. But also after the car accident, he's not immediately put into the home, is he? I don't think so. That's that's the part that I was talking about earlier. That's when Mm -hmm. I was asking, do you think he did this to himself by hitting himself with a car? Like, you know, scrambling his brain and damaging Mm -hmm. it so that he, you know, early onset dementia or something. Um, But maybe it was more gradual than that. Maybe. I like to think it was gradual. I do too. How old is he when he... um... Yeah. We've got 86 and he was born in 44. 42. So he's only 42. So he's only 42 years old when he gets hit by this car. There's no way he slides into dementia right away. Yeah. So my theory is that he gets hit by the car, realizes that he doesn't want to work for Noah anymore, gives Claudia the book, knows he's a time traveler. And then his son shows up a year later. And he decides to actually, you know, be a dad and help him get situated here in the town. You know, he he shows up. He's a dad for potentially 15, 20 years. That makes me happy. Wait, Helga is seriously injured in a car accident, resulting in a long recovery in a care home. So it is the accident in 1986 that puts him in the care home. We don't know how long he's in that care, that specific care home for, for the accident. I don't think that he is put in the care home and then left there until he's an old man. Yeah, I don't think Um, so either. I think that he gets hit into an accident. It's his wake up call. His son shows up and then he uh, he becomes a he becomes a dad because look at that. That's what, 30 years. Oh, how did I not know that? It is 33 years. Of course it is. Of course. Yes. 33. It's 33 years that he's had. So yeah, that's a long time to, to be a dad. So yeah. he absolutely probably did do that. And that's why Peter's so, you know, passionate about his dad and a generally nice person. Yeah. yeah. I should also say, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot this. So it, it, we should use it as a note if we're talking about like when Helg decided to when he realized he was having doubts, old Helg actually visits middle-aged Helg uh, at his cabin. That's right. Yeah, that's the scene I was talking about. an old man appears at Helga's cabin and warns him about Noah. The visit adds to Helga's growing doubts about his actions, but Noah is able to convince him otherwise. I think that's the scene where he's got the screwdriver. Maybe? No. Maybe? Um, Is it all the same? It's the same episode. I think it's the same episode, yeah. There's, um, I think it's... Yeah, there's an episode that's a lot of Helg. I think it's his primary episode where most things happen. But yeah, that cabin scene is the one I was talking about where he confronts himself and tells his younger self to not trust Adam. And I guess that didn't do it. And so that's when the car accident comes in later. Okay. Okay. What, Phoebe? Oh my God. This is the coolest fucking theory. Okay. Shout out to Ivana. Uh, This was posted 11 days ago. Dark Wiki. Best, best ever, but this theory is so cool. Helg is supposed to be born in 1944. In 1953, he's about nine years old, supposedly. But we learn from Greta and Helg, or we learn from Greta that Helg is not Burn's son. She implies he's a product of rape, right? So in season three, we see the family tree. We can confirm that. It indicates Greta was probably raped by a Soviet soldier at the end of World War II, and that is when Helg was conceived. But the dates don't match. However, we're not going to believe that it's just an inconsistency. So we look further, right? 
He couldn't have been born in 1944. So I think Burned and Greta, to save reputation, paid people to lie about Helg's age so they could pass him off as Burn's biological child. Say if Burn was still in Winden in 1943, but later went to fight in the German army and wasn't around when the Red Army entered Winden, people would start talking. But Helg's real parentage seems to have a secret. Greta only told it to Noah, a priest she trusted. If Burned and Greta were doing their best to pass Helg as a couple of years older than he really was, it's no surprise he was struggling in school, he was behind, he needed to be tutored, and it would also make it harder for him to connect to his classmates and make him an easy target for bullies, both for being smaller and for being seen as slow. He was also abused by his mother, who hated him because of what he reminded her of and mostly ignored by his father, Burned, who wasn't who knew he wasn't his biological child and then got severely traumatized, of course, and blah, blah, blah. That is the coolest fucking awesome. theory. I love that. That wow. is the best. Shout out to you, Ivana. That is awesome. And that's on the dark wiki. Yeah, that's just on the it's just a comment oh, cool. on his main page. Yeah, so good. And so like, talk about a Sherlockian moment, right? Taking all these little nuggets (laughs) in the show about, about Helg and all of his scenes and then stringing it together into a narrative that explains why all of those things happened. Like the bullies, when he was at the cabin and those boys came over and they peed on him. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Wow. So good. So good. Yeah. Wow. Helga is like such a, I mean, I feel like so many of the characters are tragic, but in some ways to me, he He's tragic, but he's also heroic because I think he's one of the only characters who does decisive action to try and fix what he's done, even though what he's done is really horrific. Yeah. Yes. And I think one of the questions I will always want to know is like, who was Peter's mother? Mm -hmm. How did Helg, how did that happen? When did that happen? Because how, wait a minute, how old was Peter when he arrived after his mother had died in 87? Wasn't he like six, 16 or something? So wait a minute. When the fuck is Peter born? Peter's born in 1970. Oh God. Helg's working for Noah then. Oh, is he right? working for Noah then? Isn't he? Well, he's working for, for Noah, Noah since I think a kid. from the moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No. That would, okay. That would put Peter at 16. Wow. Yeah. So 1970. I mean, to be fair, we don't see that. That's in between the periods of time in the scenes where we see him as a boy and then him as an adult in the eighties working for Noah. So who knows what happened during the seventies? That's alarming to me. It is. Yeah. <sighs> Which means he, he can, he was conceived in 1969. Noise. Sorry. I had to do it. I'm terrible. That means Helg Helg got laid in 1969. What a time. Listen, 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 Helg has had a rough go. Yeah. I, I feel he he deserves every small Does bit he, of joy. He killed kids. Okay, you're right. He murdered children. Well, actually, we don't know if he murdered the children. We know that he recruited and that he placed. Um, yeah. There is the scene where Noah is cleaning the blood at the yeah. bottom of the bunker yeah. uh, with his shirt off. And that was a very confusing scene for me. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Please leave that in. I yes, fucking yeah. love that. <laughs> um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, that that's also an interesting parallel because a lot of his job at the power plant is more maintenance, security, cleaning, which is everything he does for Noah. 
I oh my god, that's fucked up. That's great, dude. That that's and now so like good. that. It's true. Noah is the power plant, and he is the security worker, groundskeeper of whatever. Oh god, he's just he's honestly he almost in every like corner of his life is the person who is used for menial things, and that sucks. You know, yeah, poor Helg. And his it, it is it is sad. But again, it's like he overcomes that and makes his own decision in the end. And he makes that decision without being influenced by anyone, you know. And I think that can be a beautiful story in the sense that he was old, but he still eventually got there, you know. Yeah. Like he yeah. he yes. And he tried. He never stopped trying. Nothing is in yep. vain. Nothing, Nothing is, is in vain. vain. I wish that we did not call this episode TikTok because I feel like nothing is in vain would be really good. But. Well, that should be Noah's title, in my opinion. Right. That's his Ooh. line that he says. Ooh. Nothing is in vain. Oh, yeah. Ooh. OK. Adding that now. Yep. Are we ready anyway. for something a little nicer to think yes. about and talk about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What becomes of Helga in the origin world where there is no Noah? where he potentially had a better life oh that we is know that peter is there about peter's there so hell is there as well yeah and you know maybe maybe without him having suffered so much he's able to have a good relationship with peter's mom i like to think that they were more of a family yeah if greta is still greta and she's still there but ulrich doesn't exist and doesn't beat him with a rock and noah doesn't exist and doesn't indoctrinate him to do terrible things. He never things. gets kidnapped. He never gets kidnapped. Yep. He never kills children or kidnaps children you know to be killed. know if the power plant was made? That's what I was wondering. I think it was. In this world? I think it was still there. No, I take that back. Yeah, I don't think it is. This isn't the alt world. This is the origin no, world, right? Because, yeah, yes, because, the origin yeah. world. They because, weren't going to build it. The yes. unknown was like, yo, yep. you're going to sign this document. Yep. So then, there we go. theoretically, the power plant was not built. Yeah. So yeah. Burned did something else. Burned did something else. Was Maybe Claudia. was more around, was more available yeah. because he didn't spend so much time trying to get the power plant constructed. So maybe he was yeah. at home more, was there for, for Helga as he was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, either way, Helga would have had a much better life because all of these terrible things wouldn't have happened to him. Yeah. I have yeah. to say something really quickly. Yeah. Sometimes terrible things can happen to you and you can still have a really great life. Yes. Yeah. I just think it's important to be like, sometimes I get trapped in time traveling. Like, oh, what if this horrible thing hadn't happened to me? But I'm like where I am now. So, you know, in a yeah. weird way, I'm grateful for that. So we don't know yeah. if Helg was happier, but I hope he was. I'm glad yeah. he didn't get beaten with a rock. Or kidnapped. Uh, or yes. kidnapped. Yeah. And indoctrinated by a hot psycho. <laughs> oh! <laughs> but what a hot psycho is what i'm oh, trying to say no. <laughs> so glad we're talking about him next yep yeah um can't wait <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so oh did i invite you guys to that conversation or is it just a me thing <laughs> <laughs> i think sorry no i you think better like... delete all this thirst <laughs> <laughs> i think it's, i don't know it's it. real yeah, yeah, it's real. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea, the thought in the origin world that, you know, he had a much better life and maybe he's with Peter's mother still or maybe not. Either way, he's happy and doesn't know a fucking thing about time travel. Yes. Wow. 
Oh, great yeah. discussion, everyone. Yeah, that was so yeah, good. That was, that was good. so that was, good. That was really good. Such a good episode. Oh. Oh. Um, I'm going to eat my feelings for sure. I yeah, say that, I'm except like... that I was secretly muted and doing that while we were recording this. So I feel <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, I'm right there with you. I'm like, all right, what takeout is there that will like, you know, feed my heart and soul and yeah. stomach tonight? <laughs> wow. All right. Um, do we have any dark finds this week? Oh, yes, I think we did. Hold on. You dropped something in there, I think. Let me scroll up. Yep. Uh, this Twitter account that we like, right? Oh, yeah. So we found, well, we didn't find, Acorn found a Twitter account called Dark Triketra. Yep. And it's pretty awesome. So Ooh. definitely, if you're following us on Twitter, which you totally should be, you should definitely give this uh, account a follow as well. The banner's awesome. The avatar's awesome. And the stuff they're posting is great. Yeah. Um, and they're still posting, which is, yes. I think, important. Yeah. Lots of screenshots, uh, lots of quotes. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate this mixture of like deep divey stuff, uh, quotes, but then also memes. <laughs> yeah. Memes of like, you know, memes Noah. of dark. <laughs> yeah. There's like a yeah. teenage Noah next to Beyonce's Dangerously in Love baby boy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's just good and they deserve more follows so go Absolutely. give them a follow retweet the stuff because it's good the other one that i wanted to share was um the no spoiler it's from the reddit we love the reddit we love you reddit a to somebody posted their version of uh toast hawaii and i just thought it would be cute if everybody who made toast hawaii with us when we did it if we went to the reddit and shared our pictures of our toast hawaii's and probably made this this person's day so that's my plan i'm gonna do that i'm gonna uh share pictures of that so oh my gosh i, yes. will, I will include that in the show notes perfect uh, now i want toast hawaii is that my comfort I know. food yeah. tonight yep i think so <laughs> this was awesome ladies thank you yeah it was crazy dude it was a really good episode. Was, <laughs> yeah. I I definitely uh felt some emotions. Lots. It was Just a roller a little coaster. bit, right? Just a teensy amount. <laughs> tiny, tiny Absolute bit. Absolute mental breakdown. Yep. I did anyway. Yeah. So um shout outs. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do some shout outs. Hi, I'm Murgles. Uh I have played podcaster number three for you today. I just went into my table story <laughs> shout out like an idiot. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mergs. Hello, I'm Mergles. Um, <laughs> I was a part of this podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. What do I do? I'm an animator. I'm a storyboard artist. I draw cartoons. It's pretty cool stuff. I think anyway. One of the films that I uh, animated on last year has had its world premiere at TIFF this year. It's also airing at the Ottawa Animation International Film Festival, which is another great festival. So very, very um, proud to be a part of that project. It's called Four North A. It was uh, directed by Jordan Canning and Howie Shia, and I highly recommend it. It's coincidentally, it's a very deep film about a woman who is there in uh, her father's dying hours, spending time in the hospital with him as he's dying and going through periods of memory of times when she was younger yeah, it's a beautiful, stunning, stunning, feely film. So I highly recommend if you want to check it out. I also do RP and stuff on a channel called Table Story, uh, which Pumpkin, Pumpkinberry has a lot more to say about. But it's a, it's a great channel. So if you're interested in roleplay, Harry Potter stuff or anything like that, you can find me there. Um, you can also find me on Twitch, Murgles, Twitter, Murgles. Thank you. 
That's a great segue. Uh, I'm PB or Pumpkinberry. You can find me on Twitter at Pumpkinberry. You can also find me at Pumpkinberry.tv. But I am going to tell you about a show that I really think that you would like to either watch and or listen to. There's a podcast version. It is called Nocturne by Table Story. And it's about a group of people stuck in a time loop. And it's very deep divey, very much like dark. Um, I show run that where I did show run that it's it's over now, but there's 34 glorious three hour long episodes for you. Um, you can either go to tablestory.tv slash nocturne, or you can search on your podcast app for Table Story Nocturne and it should pop up. Um, yeah, and that's that's it. That's it for me. Great. And I'm Acorn Bandit. You can find me online at Acorn Bandit or Joyson Studios. And I'm just going to keep it short and sweet because you both shared such great things. Oh, thank you all for what? listening, though, to the podcast. Wait, we hope what? you've enjoyed what? it. No, stop. First of all, what? I hammered on for 40 minutes. What? <laughs> I don't have anything to shout. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking uh, about? You do a podcast? podcast about Avatar, The Last Airbender. Last Airbender. Yeah, come on, people. Oh Let's my God. go. Okay. Get, uh, have you subscribed? Have you listened to her other podcast? Because it's great. <laughs> have you rated five stars? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. please rate and review us. Send us messages. Yes. We love it. Oh yes, please email be us. Part of our conversation. Email us. Tweet us. Back yes. to Acorn filling out her <laughs> shout yeah. out. Yeah. What's up with we, you, girl? We just finished book one of Avatar. So we are <gasps> taking a very short hiatus as we prepare for book two. So that's yes. exciting. But yes. Oh, yay. And where can we find that? Oh, yes. On The Geek Generation at thegeekgeneration.com slash avatar. And also just anywhere you find podcasts. Just look for Avatar the podcast. Yes. So yay. good. Amazing. You guys are ridiculous. We got to make sure you shout yourself out because you're amazing. And we love you. Exactly. Thanks. Thank you all for listening to the podcast today. We hoped you enjoyed it and our discussion. Of course, if we missed anything, you can tweet us using the hashtag darkcompanionpod or email us at darkcompanionpod at gmail.com. As always, special thanks to Johnny Caballero for the beautiful cover art. You can find him over on Twitter at Johnny Knight. Uh, that's spelled J-H-O-N-Y-K-N-I-G-H-T. You're also proudly part of the Geek Generation Network, and you can find more awesome podcasts related to cool, nerdy things like TV, comics, and movies on thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you so much for diving into Dark with us. We'll be back next Thursday with Episode 9, Nothing in Vain, about Noah. Yes! Noah! <laughs> We're ready! <laughs> Buckle yourself in. It's going to be a fun discussion. Yeah, uh, get a glass of water too. Okay, bye. Yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> bye.